the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. I have with me, of course, my sidekick, and if you see Chris, that's Chris Corbin, if you see Chris and I walking down the street, uh, you'd call him the uh, Batman and me the Robin. But nonetheless, Chris, how are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's Friday. It's about 65 degrees outside. Just got back from my 10-mile run. I'm doing good. (laughs) Chris, Chris, now, 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 you know, Dave's audience can smell a lie a hundred feet away. And we know it wasn't a 10 mile run. It was a 20 mile run. So please, let's not not kid you. It was was 10 yards to the coffee pot. Well, there you go. Chris, let's talk about some perhaps light stuff to begin with. Now, Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, you and I were recently uh, over at uh, Sissy's Log Cabin uh, with our friends uh, Rob uh, um, uh, Dooms and um, and um, oh, what's Jim? Uh, my good friend. got two Jim. Thank you. Two Rob. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a little it's a little too early in the morning. Jim Engelhorn, who's really a watch expert. Uh, I, I mean, he's just an exceptional expert uh, uh, in watches. And they helped me buy a, a very nice watch, but they also helped you buy some nice gift for your wife, Susie, uh, when you had a special event recently. And my question to you is, <clears throat> you don't think that's going to be enough come Sunday, do you? <laughs> I'm going to get some carryover, man. i got to get some carryover. Maybe take her to Waffle House, get a waffle. I, I, I don't know about... Uh, carryover on Mother's Day and anniversaries. I think I think the spreadsheet goes to zero. So um, you better you better make good. It doesn't have to be jewelry, of course. But uh, yeah, you know the Waffle House is actually a nice idea. Sometimes it's a, those kinds of events are even more fun uh, than something um, over the top, shall we say? Uh, but you know you got to mix and match. You got to keep them guessing. That's right. Well. Um, good, it's a good you reminder. You got, you got to remember. You got to remember Mother's Day. You got to remember Mother's Day. You might be forgiven for a birthday, but Mother's Day, ooh, that's a big no-no. Do you have something planned right. in your head? Waffle House. Oh, okay. Very and good. Flowers. Very good. No, I'm just kidding. Some flowers. Nice dinner. Right. You gonna cook the dinner? Or you taking her out? You know, I gotta cook, man. I, you know, she's still, she's still a little. 
leery of going out and, and getting in these crowded places. But me too. Me too. I know. Let's I talk think about a lot that of people, for a moment. Go ahead. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people are. I think they they um you know they're wanting to get out but then they get in these crowded places and it's it's a little it's a change from a year and a half, you know? It's a it's a big deal. It is. Well, Chris, you know, uh, I need not tell you the obvious, which is that you recently got your first shot. Uh, your wife, Susie, recently got her first shot. You may be due already for your second, maybe uh, since you're Today. within that window, yeah, you my, and Susie can go together yeah. to get the second shot. That's right. She well, she got the Moderna. I got the Pfizer. I don't know what happened. I don't know why or right? what. It just, yeah. We, we're we're like, the guinea pigs, man. We're the guinea pigs. I'll take the Pfizer. And then she had the Moderna. We'll see what happens. See, what? what's the difference? I really yeah. have to encourage uh, Dave's listeners if uh, to consider getting the shot if you have not done so. I do think there's a level of skepticism out there that is not justified. Now, I'm skeptical of government. I don't want government ordering me to do anything. And I'm not in the position, and even if I were, I wouldn't, uh, to order anybody to take a shot. But I am in a position to encourage it. And the fact is that we've got we've gotten vaccines all our lives, right? We got the polio vaccine, we got the mumps, the rubella, um, uh, and uh, the mumps, measles, and rubella vaccine. We got all sorts of vaccines growing up. There's nothing uncommon about them. The new vaccines actually employ a better technology. Some people are afraid of this technology. It's a better technology. And some folks say to me, well, the risks of dying of COVID are, are pretty low unless you're over a certain age or you have certain infirmities. And that's true. But I know two people who have lost their sense of smell, one of whom can't eat certain foods to this day because she said that the food literally tastes like garbage, not not bad or without taste. It tastes like garbage. So she just can't eat those foods. She's hoping it'll improve. I know one guy who is near death. Uh, so, yeah, you may not die, but you may be near death. There, are, I've read reports of people who now need lung transplants as a co- consequence of catching COVID. So it's a real disease. It, it exists. A half a million Americans, I think, have uh, died from it. So I really encourage Dave's listeners, if you have not yet gotten your vaccine, um, go consider getting your vaccine. You know me. Uh, I'm all about science. I'm skeptical of government. I'm skeptical of government overreach. And I got my vaccine. I did my research. Uh, many of you may not know, uh, Chris has a degree in, what's it, microbiology? It's some biology-related? Yeah, mi- microbiology yeah. and virology biochemistry and um i'm a big advocate of vaccines and you've got to play the odds there's always going to be outliers okay there's always going to be outliers there's nothing absolute in science right um and we've talked about that a little bit about how um there's there's no there's not absolutism in life or um as biden was said the constitution he's like to throw out the uh, we have free speech, but you can't yell fire in a theater. Well, you know, there's there's going to be some outliers. And, and so you're right. We don't want the government telling us what to do. And, in fact, they can't. There are a couple exceptions that you don't have to get the vaccine. I think we got to say that. But the government can do that, not a private 
not a private company, right? Um, so you, let me break that down there. So the government cannot force you to get the, the vaccine. They can encourage it, um, and there could be some exceptions for safety-related stuff, um, but uh, you can have a religious exception or a medical exception. So there are exceptions to taking the vaccine. But let's be smart, folks. Take the vaccine. The numbers are there. It's like this. Don't play the lottery. It's one in a hundred million that you're going to win, right? Indeed, indeed. Uh, Dave himself has gotten the vaccine as well. Heidi, have yeah. you been vaccinated yet? Heidi, are you listening in or are you multitasking on us? We'll see if she uh, comes uh, running back to the microphone. She's probably uh, stacking recordings. Uh, it's it's really an important thing to consider. And if you've made that decision. Uh, meaning if you've evaluated all of the information and you decide not to get the vaccine, so be it. So be it. But right. don't rely on these sort of knee-jerk reactions from some folks who are uh, overplaying uh, the issue. Vaccines. I, I, it, it, yeah. Well, I just think it's like this. So if you're going to, if someone's going to flip a coin in front of you, Right. And it's heads or tails. Right. Could the coin actually land on the edge? I've never seen it happen, but it's possible. You know, could could you see somebody get the vaccine and still get Corona? Yeah, it's going to happen. Could you see somebody not take the vaccine and not get to the coronavirus? Yeah, that can happen, too. But the, it, there's going to be minimal. It's minimal. Right. So we're talking right. about minimizing risk. You put your seatbelt on, you get in the car. Right? You take a driver's test. We have a driver's license. Why not take the vaccine? Especially with this with this variant coming out. We don't know what we don't know what it is. But I tell you this, I tell you this, Rob, people are ready ready for some normalcy. They're ready to quit worrying about this. They're ready to be quit being scared. There's just this little back in the back of your mind. You don't want your loved one to die. You don't want a family member to die. So that's what this little this reservation is in the back of folks' heads, and I understand it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm one who regularly gets the flu shot. Some people don't. That's fine, too. Uh, yeah. So I've never been afraid of vaccines. I've never worried about vaccines. Obviously, let's be clear, there's no, uh, there's no tracers or anything like that in the vaccine. And if you're worried about being following, followed around by the government and you think they're putting something in the vaccine, <laughs> you better leave your cell phone at home. Yeah. You leave yeah. your cell phone because the government can follow you, and certainly business is following you. The businesses right. can track you on your phone and send you uh, messages as a consequence. So yeah. uh, you're worried about being tracked. You should be worrying about your cell phone, not about what they're putting in the in the vaccine. Now, the vaccine right. is not. Go ahead. It's it it brings it into reality. Here's what I relate it to. When I signed up for the military, they lined us up. You walk past this tent, this table, and said, "You have an insurance policy with the military. If you die, who do you want to get your money?" Uh oh. Well, hold hold up. This all of a sudden it's real now. I could die. So what have I done here? I signed on the dotted line, and I could die. So they walk in, and they go, I'm getting this vaccine. Am I going to get this vaccine? Am I going to die? Whoa, it brings it to the forefront, right? Man, just get it. Just get It's like the flu shot. 
just get it. Yes, and I think that that would be a great time to take a break. So let's do that. We got to get to some uh, traffic and news. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are filling in for Dave today as Dave is undergoing some minor surgery this weekend. Don't worry. It's nothing major. Dave assured me so. So let's take a break on this Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbach along with Chris Corbett filling in. For Dave Ellswick, Chris, of course, we've got a lot to talk about. Jason Rapert is going to join us later in the show to talk about what happened Fantastic. this last legislative session, which we just completed. In terms of the legislative session, I want to talk to you about a law that ultimately was your idea. Was your idea. Chris. That? that is, you tried to go into the, uh, what is it, the Little Rock Wastewater? Tell me this story. Tell us right. Dave's audience yeah. the story. Go ahead. You know the story I'm referencing. Talk about that, please. Yeah, just I was having trouble with a with a, uh, some of the water pipes having some debris in my uh, pressure reducer, and I thought I'd just go down there and inform the board of what I was experiencing. And they have this sign on the deal: "No firearms allowed." I was like, "What? Hold up! This is a public building." Wait, 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 wait. Now you have the highest class concealed carry license permitted in the state. Isn't that right? That's right. That's right. Enhance. You got to enhance so I can carry it at the, at the courthouse. I can, no, wait a minute, not the courthouse. The university. Well, yes, at the courthouse, yeah, at the according to your capital. lawsuit. The <laughs> state capitol. Right, right. We're going to find that out. We're going to get a judge to make a decision. Hey, uh, Rob, you and I, we can't fix stupid, but we can set a court hearing for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what happened when you went to the wastewater? So, yeah. So I went down there. I thought, ooh. Uh, no firearms allowed. Uh, you know, so what you what every enhanced concealed carry guy does and woman does, they go, okay, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I'm going to go back to my car and lock it up, lock my firearm up, unload it, disarm myself, put the clip in the in one place, and then put the unloaded firearm in another portion of the car, leave it unprotected and then go have go con, you know conduct my business in a public building paid for by tax dollars and um I, you know the government's disarmed me because I want to attend a meeting so we and made so what happened we made issue of it well i you know i don't want to get arrested i'm not I, I mean rules are good right but some rules need to be challenged peacefully right i'm not going to get in a physical altercation someone trying to take my gun away so um, uh, we, we hit the books. We read the law, and it was convoluted. It was an exception here and a negative there and an exception there. It was a, um, the law was not clear. It was unclear. So we, we, I discussed it with you, and, and um, we made some changes. Yeah, we um, we got in touch with the great state senator, our good friend and friend of the Dave Ellswick Show, Bob Ballinger. And we said, hey, Bob, there's a problem with the law. Uh, The law, as it reads now, permits individuals with enhanced carry to carry firearms in state capital, uh, in state buildings, in various locations. But there is a section that is ambiguous and being interpreted by the city government to permit them to put up a sign that says we're opting out. We're opting out of the Second Amendment. If you have an enhanced carry license, you still can't carry in this facility. 
And sure enough, they put up a sign. What, in fact, what you didn't tell Dave's audience, Chris, is that when you contacted Little Rock Wastewater to tell them that their sign was impermissible, and it was, they agreed. They said, you're right, our sign doesn't comply with the law, and we're going to update our sign so that it does comply with the law and still prevent people from carrying firearms with an enhanced carry license into the uh, Little Rock wastewater offices. That's right. And so, and, and the, guy we we were, discussed, the guy we were happy to talk, the guy we were happy to talk to about it was uh, David Johnson, the former state senator. Mm-hmm. I said, "You drafted the law, man. What, what? You don't know what it says, okay? Yeah, but we he did change the sign. That's right. Yeah, he changed the sign. I forgot about that. We, yeah, we sent the little notice letter. Hey, you're not violating the, you're not complying with the law here, and that's the thing. The 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 state sets the law, right? Who gives the right to the cities to not follow the law? This is kind right. of really analogous to the, the governor doing away with the mask mandate, and then the mayor of the city of Little Rock saying, oh, we're going to keep that in place. No, I don't think so. Indeed, indeed. And, and, and these localities were not permitting citizens to carry with enhanced carry licenses in their facilities, notwithstanding that you could do exactly that in the Capitol. And as we discussed, you theoretically can do that in the courthouse, but the courthouses have stopped us, so we're suing on that one. That's right. And so Bob Ballinger, of course, agreed. Indeed. Bob Ballinger agreed, and he wrote up an outstanding bill, and that bill is now law. Act 1024. And so I'm going to get with uh, um, the folks at the lobbying arm for the cities. That's the, uh, what is that called? The the uh, city, uh, the, muni- the municipal. The Arkansas municipal? You mean that liberal bastion of taxpayer-funded <laughs> lobbyists with 15 attorneys making over 100 grand, a $69 million slush, $69 million slush fund of your money? Oh, yeah, that, that's oh, the one I mean. The muni- <laughs> that's the what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to get with them. I'm going to get with the folks at the uh, county, the Arkansas Counties Association, and offer up our services for free, as we always do it, by the way, uh, to assist them. And I mean this sincerely. Uh, look, we disagree with them on a lot of things, and sometimes we agree with them on a bunch of things. And I'm going right. to offer up our services for free to help them educate and train all of their members that come just shy of August 1st. So I'll put August 1st as, as the deadline, but it's even earlier. Right. By August 1st, those signs got to be gone and we yeah. got to be permitted. If, if we, if you and anybody else has an enhanced carry license to carry in those municipal buildings and guess which building we're going to first to test that law. City Hall, baby. Let's go. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to suggest maybe <laughs> the Water Authority, because that's where this all started. But nonetheless, oh, whichever a, one you the, want. The, the City Hall, man. Hey, and here's the key. If there's any of the audience members out there that are on the fence about this, it's a concealed weapon. You don't know. You can't see it, right? It's concealed. Look, if, if folks in Dave's audience are on the fence about the Second Amendment, 
then maybe they need to check where they put their dial this morning because it may be set to the wrong number. <laughs> because this is, this is, it's really remarkable. Well, people shouldn't have guns. Okay, yeah. you know, uh, maybe you should think right. about revising the Constitution. Sorry. Right. This is, yeah, I, I just, I said that because I, I don't want people thinking we're walking in there with, with uh, AR-15 slung over our, 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 uh, our chest, Shoulders. right, with our with our pointer finger off the trigger. No, 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 no. This is not open carry. This is concealed carry, right? Indeed, indeed. It's big really big difference. Shame. It's a big difference. It's a big difference, and it's the law. And that's right. The state the state government gets to determine where the enhanced carry license permits people to carry. And that's right. they've that's determined right. it's in the Capitol. They've determined it's in state buildings. By the way, they determined it's in courthouses. That's All right, the, y'all, the, let's the, continue yep. this conversation. Uh, once we get to break, we got to get to uh, the news. So we'll be back in about five minutes on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbach filling in for Dave this Friday morning. We have with us Chris Corbett, who ran to get another cup of coffee. He'll be back with us in a second. And he said during the break to me uh, that we need to discuss a very important case that's in the paper today. And so I want to read to you, Dave's audience, a little bit of this story, and then we're going to discuss it. Because our problem in society and in government today, one of the biggest problems is that courts think they get to make up the law instead of interpreting the law. Their job is to interpret the law. They're not little petty potentates sitting like Caesar with their thumbs going up or down, determining the lives of individuals. Their job, the job of courts, is to take the law written by the legislature, signed by the governor, uh, and apply it because, of course, there are always questions of interpretation, uh, and then there are application questions. Do you fall into this category or that category, that type of thing? So let me read briefly from this very good article in the Dem Gaz, the Democrat Gazette. By the way, I don't say it enough. I should say it more often. The Democrat Gazette is really a, an outstanding paper. And I've read papers from all over the country. And I continue to read various papers. And the Democrat Gazette is one of the few papers, maybe the only, I don't know, uh, that really does not editorialize in its articles. It's the news. They present the news. The New York Times is just one big editorial now. There's no news left. It's one big editorial. In any event, let me get to this story. And let's talk about this story during this block of uh, about 15 minutes. So uh, um, the Ar- from the story, the Arkansas Dem Gaz filed a motion to intervene Thursday in an attempt to gain access to a court hearing set this morning. That's today in Pulaski County uh, Circuit Circuit Judge Tim Fox's courtroom concerning applicants for a license for a casino in Pope County. I know Tim Fox. I've appeared before Tim Fox. Tim Fox is a nice person and not very good at applying the law because he thinks he's a king. He thinks he's a potentate, and he just makes it up as he goes along. By the way, that last little editorial, that's me, not the paper. So let me go on from the paper. Attempts throughout the week by the Dem Gaz to persuade Fox to allow its reporter access to the hearing uh, were unsuccessful. Remember, folks, you 
me and every other individual has a constitutional right to access to the courtroom. Open courtrooms, much like the Open Records Act, much like the Freedom of Information Act, much like the Open Meetings Act. Those are analogies, to be clear, uh, permits individuals to have access to the courtroom because it is a public venue. Why? Because we don't want some corrupt government making decisions about our lives in secret and handing down dictates to us, telling us, you must. That's what communism is, not freedom, not democracy. The courtroom is an open venue for the public. But Tim Fox says, no, not my courtroom. By the way, you'll hear that phrasing from judges. You'll hear judges say, not my courtroom. Excuse me. It's not your courtroom. It's my courtroom. What do I mean by that? It's not Ron Steinbuck's courtroom. It's not Chris Corbett's courtroom. It's every member of the public's courtroom. That's whose courtroom it is. I don't want to hear a judge again say, not in my courtroom, not in your courtroom. Did you build that courtroom? No. Did you pay for that courtroom? No. Do you sweep that courtroom? No. That ain't your courtroom. That's a courtroom of the people of Arkansas. So maybe a a little less jabbering and a little bit more democracy. How's that for an idea? (laughs) Really gets my gut when I hear these people. So a great attorney who I know at the law firm Quattlebaum Grooms and Tull uh, by the name of Christoph Keller uh, was quoted in the newspaper. And here's what he says. The First Amendment right of access is an affirmative, enforceable public right. You know, that's an educated, fancy way of saying, hey, open the darn door. This is a public courtroom. And guess what? Attempts to reach Fox for comment were unsuccessful as of late Thursday. He don't want to talk to the press. <laughs> He's not letting the press in the room. He ain't going to talk to the press. Right. The Democrat Gazette was told Wednesday by Fox's trial court administrator, Christy Greer, that Fox was barring access to the hearing, by the way, both physically and electronically, and electronically, because of an executive order from Pulaski County Judge Barry Hyde, the county executive, that's like a, like a mayor, that restricts public access to uh, buildings because of the co- coronavirus. Uh, Chris, we talked earlier about the vaccine. Uh, how's the vaccine at protecting people from getting the coronavirus uh, from being on a Zoom call? Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> you're barring people from the courtroom electronically because you're worried yeah. about the coronavirus? Are you a crackpot? What are you, Joe Biden, wearing masks outdoors but not indoors? What kind of bag of crazy is that? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what it is, Rob. It's called judicial immunity. He can do whatever the heck he wants to do and suffers no personal consequence, right? And then if we want to dispute it, challenge it, set a hearing for being stupid, we got to pay somebody. You got to, you got to, we got to pay somebody. And you know, Rob, you and I, we've not taken lots of cases um, where we don't get paid, right? Because it's the right thing to do, and it's a violation of the law. And unfortunately here, Judge Fox has judicial immunity. On his face, he's violating the law, black and white. This this law says we have a right to the courtroom, 
and it's been, been interpreted by the United States Constitution, the Arkansas Constitution, our Supreme Court. It's crazy, Rob. It's out. It's outrageous, is what it is. It's outrageous. Chris, he may have immunity in court, but he does not have immunity in the judicial discipline body for the state of Arkansas. One can there file we go. an ethics complaint against any judge in the judicial discipline body here in Arkansas, and not for a wrong decision, not because somebody simply made a mistake, because we're all fallen, we all have our flaws, we all make mistakes. But if a judge knowingly violates the law in a case, in interpreting the law, says, well, I understand the law to be this, says this to himself, to be clear, but I'm going to do the opposite because that's the outcome I prefer, notwithstanding the law, that's an ethical violation. And he can be sanctioned for that. And there is support for that notion. So be careful. Now, Chris, I'll I'll, I'll veer to a slight tangent. We brought a motion to have certain fees uh, uh, not charged, and I won't go into the details, because they shouldn't be charged under the existing statute. We filed a motion in Judge Fox's court, and he denied it without any opinion. He said, denied. And we appealed that to the Supreme Court, and we just got a ruling last week. You know what it said? We win, baby. Not on whether or not we pay the fees, to be clear. It says, now you go back to Judge Fox's Fox's, uh, courtroom. By the way, it ain't his courtroom. Uh, You go back to that courtroom in which Judge Fox sits, and he has to give you a hearing on this. And he has to issue an opinion on this. He has to do his job on this. By the way, it's not the first matter in which we got one of these one-line orders from Judge Fox in which he doesn't actually issue an opinion. He just says, up or down, thumbs up or down. That's not what judges are supposed to do. They're supposed to actually issue a written, documented opinion. So we are going to take up every order in which he or any other judge, by the way, just says, denied. Why? Because that's not doing your job. And we're going to appeal every one of them. And we did it now. We got them reversed. We're going to do it again. We're going to get them reversed. Until every judge in the state of Arkansas understands, you better do your job or you're going to be appealed. By the way, we elect judges. We're going to look at that as well. We're going to pay attention to who's running. And you're going to hear about it on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's that simple. That's right. And I, I, I love Christoph Keller's comments. You know, he, um, Mr. Keller, um, he shot down that, that law imposing the blackout on uh, the campaign contributions, took it up to the Eighth Circuit of Appeals um, when That's the lower right. court, federal court, uh, issued an injunction against the city of Little Rock for violating the law. And Qualabon, um, uh, you know, it's, there's some, yeah. He's an expert on the First Amendment, Christoph is. And mm-hmm. by the way, I work with Christoph on Freedom of Information Act issues. Why? Because sure. they overlap. That's why. Because they are fundamental to our liberties. By the way, it wasn't only yeah. uh, Christoph. Uh, so the, the um, trial court administrator for Fox claims the problem is something Barry Hyde uh, ordered. Well, Barry Hyde, according to the newspaper, said his order does not close uh, court proceedings. Uh, wait, what? So they're they're trying to do the they're trying to do the hustle. Well, a hustle ain't going to work yeah. here. 
And the, yeah. the Dem Gaz is managing editor, Eliza Gaines, says, I understand in-person restrictions due to COVID, but barring any type of access, um, meaning electronic, is an affront to transparency. Transparency? That's what I do. That's what we do. Let me be clear, Chris. You and I both do. <laughs> right on. Um, right on. Right? Judge Barry Hyde told the reporter that there are cameras in every courtroom, and I question why Judge Fox is denying the press and public the ability to view this important hearing via live stream video, says Barry Hyde, meaning he's on the side of transparency. So look who we have on the side of transparency. We got Barry Hyde. We got Eliza Gaines, the Dem Gaz's managing editor. We got uh, Christoph Keller, the uh, excellent um, attorney from Quattlebaum um, something in Tull. I'm sorry, I forgot the middle name. Maybe you remember. So the point here is that we have to stop letting courts make up the law. And the way we stop letting courts make up the law is that we appeal them. And when we appeal them, inevitably we'll win some of those cases. And when it comes to reelection, we're going to fight for those candidates who believe in the law, not making up the law. And we're going to file judicial ethics complaints against those judges who knowingly violate the law. That's our three pronged method for addressing judges who think their job is to make up the law. What do you think about that? That's right. I think it's fantastic. And you know what else? It's peaceful. That's right. We're not going to go down there and uh, protest the courtroom. Can't go into his courtroom, throw a rock through the window. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, Dusty McDaniel represents uh, the um, casino. Uh, you remember Dusty McDaniel. He was that um, uh, mediocre attorney general that we had who was disgraced in some sort of, uh, what was he, cheating on his wife or something? I can't even remember at this point uh, w- what happens with all of these politicians. And when asked about this issue, he says, our focus is on the key constitutional issue in this case regarding his client, which will ultimately be decided by the Arkansas Supreme Court. Uh, While we understand the Democrat Gazette's concerns, we wish to avoid any additional delays in this matter and raise no objections to the court's order. So, Dusty McDaniel, your former attorney general, is against transparency. He's against the First Amendment. He's against the public being in the courthouse. Why? Because he's lining his pockets with casino money, and he doesn't want to have any delay to lining his pockets with casino money. So I want to get in the courtroom, says Dusty McDaniel, so that I can line my pockets with casino money, and I don't care about transparency. I don't care about the public. I don't care about public good. Remember that when Dusty McDaniels uh, starts to peek his nose under the tent of some future election. Remember, Dusty McDaniel is against transparency. Dusty McDaniel is against the First Amendment. Dusty McDaniel is against the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Arkansas. Just All right, that. y'all, let's continue this conversation um, it, after we get back from a break because we need to get to our traffic and some uh, commercial breaks as well. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are filling in for Dave Ellswick this morning. They are our resident legal experts. So we will be right back on this Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck, and along with me is Chris Corbett, and we are filling in for Dave Ellswick this Friday morning 
We wish Dave all the best in his minor surgery. You know what they say, Chris. It's minor surgery when the other guy has it. When I have it, oh, it's major surgery. Uh, Chris, <laughs> that's right. You know, uh, our good buddy Jason Rapert is joining us at the top of the hour, at the 7 o'clock hour, and before, and he's going to talk with us about this last legislation, legislative session, excuse me, of course. And I want to ask him, what were the good bills that passed? What were the bad right. bills that passed? What were the good bills that failed? And what were the bad bills that failed? He, of course, has been in the legislature for some time. He really has his finger on the pulse of what's going on there. And one of the bills that I want to talk about with him, and I suspect he will raise, is this very good bill. I think it was sponsored by Missy Irving and um, Representative Lundstrom. And it's about making sure that girls' sports remain Girl sports. What do I mean by that? I mean, there is this movement in which uh, biological boys want to play on a girl's sports because they identify as transgender. And that's fine. I don't care. Meaning that's that's all up to them. That's not up to me, whether they identify as transgender or not. But what is up to me and the good citizens of Arkansas is whether biological boys play on girls teams. And so there was an article in the paper uh, in which Caitlyn Jenner, uh, as you know, Caitlyn Jenner uh, is transgender, and she was previously Bruce Jenner, the Olympic athlete, uh, who won numerous gold medals in in what, like the decathlon, I think. And uh, when uh, when asked about this very issue, uh, Caitlyn Jenner says about biological boys playing on girls sports teams it's just it just isn't fair yeah because the biology determines that it just isn't fair and if we want girls sports teams to be a thing then they have to be girls sports teams now you can have no sex differentiated sports teams everybody plays on one team the, the men will dominate. That's just a biological fact. It doesn't mean that every man is stronger than every woman. Every boy is stronger than every girl. Of course, that's not the case. You've seen me, Chris. I'm a 98-pound uh, weakling, even when I'm holding a, a, a brick and soaking wet. But that notwithstanding, <laughs> right. if, you put, if you put together a team, well, who plays the most? Well, the best players. And... When it's a boys' team, it's the best players amongst the boys and the same amongst the girls. But if you put boys and girls together, the best players will be overwhelmingly, not entirely, by the way, but overwhelmingly boys. That's called yeah. biology. You know, right. the, the, the libs well, like to tell us, it's, let's follow the science. That's the science. What do you say? Yeah. Well, it, it's so simple, Rob. Well, you know, why, why don't they allow me, a heavyweight, to fight a featherweight. Because. Could you imagine, Chris, could you imagine if you and I got into a fight, uh, if yeah. we got into a boxing ring in particular, and yeah. you landed one punch with your yeah. roughly, and I'm just estimating, <laughs> you're roughly 300-pound man, six-foot uh, yeah. something, uh, and I'm five-foot-eight or nine, and like I said, yeah. maybe a little bit more than the 98-pound weakling that I described, but, but not a lot. 
You land one punch, yeah. I fly across that ring. That's what I call physics, well, baby. And, and does that mean that, that boxing is discriminatory because a heavyweight can't fight in the, in the featherweight division? That's mm-hmm. discriminatory on its face, Rob, isn't it? I can't believe it. No. No, I got one other example. I got one other example. I'm also a golfer, right? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to be 90. I am 90 years old today, and I want to play in the senior league now. Mm-hmm. And here's the rub, okay? Here's the rub. Here's what they're doing. They are upset that we get that. That and this is where it, this is where the mind thing, where they need some mental, some, they need some mental therapy. They're upset that we're dictating to them. They want to control how we view them. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. You can't control my thought. Right? You know, that's actually a rather insightful comment. Let's think about Let's break that down for just a moment, Chris, uh, before we go to break. That's rather insightful comment. Right? So uh, people like Caitlyn Jenner are transgender, and they uh, present uh, as women. They request to be identified as women. And as you heard me uh, on the air, I refer to her using female pronouns because I don't care if she wants me to use female pronouns. I'll use female pronouns. I really, I just don't care one way or the other. Right. But I view her as a biological male who is transgendered. That's how I view her. And you're right. There are many, some or many, I don't know, in that community who say, no, no, no. You need to view me as simply a woman. Well, I think it's a little more complicated than that, frankly. It's a little more complicated, isn't it? It is more complicated than that, 100%. All right, y'all, let's continue this conversation into the next hour. We have to get a break in for the news, weather, and traffic. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are your resident legal experts on The Dave Ellswick Show, and they are filling in for Dave Ellswick as he is getting some minor surgery done. Minor surgery, I should say. Uh, We will be right back with State Senator Jason Rapert. He will be calling in to talk with Rob and Chris, so we will be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. So I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave, of course, and with me is, is Chris Corbett, and we have a very special guest on the line. Of course, that is Senator Jason Rapert. Senator, how are you this very beautiful morning here in Arkansas? You know, I am doing great, and, and believe it or not, Robert, I'm standing here at my farm here on the Arkansas River just outside of Conway watching my goats and my donkeys graze. Now, now, how can you get a better opening than that? And how more Arkansas than that? It's a beautiful day out here, and I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. 
That, that's so wonderful. But I just want to make sure those donkeys, they're Republican donkeys, right? Well, you know, depending on, as you know, one of the more formal terms is, you know, I've got four jackasses out here. And sometimes there you go. Schumer and Pelosi <laughs> and Biden and Harris. But, you know, i got to watch that just a little bit. But uh, there but you no, go. It's, it's you know, when, you, when you're on farming in Arkansas, and I grew up on farm, and, and that's just a part of who I am in my life. And uh, when you got acreage out here, it's either you're going to mow it or you get God's natural weed eaters out here, which are goats that be out here. And I've got the donkeys for guard animals. But that's a whole different program for you sometime. <laughs> so. Indeed. Well, I want to talk about some uh, jackasses and goats uh, because I want to talk about the Le- Arkansas legislative session that just passed. That's- and you can draw whatever analogy seems appropriate there. Let's you know, that's part of the in. reason that I got, I got these donkeys, because it helps me know how to handle some of those folks a little better, you know? But, uh, Amen, brother. Amen. But, uh, well, look, Robert, number one, I want to say, just to tell you, it's good to be on here with you and Chris, but I also want to say how much I've enjoyed getting to know you better. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you through your uh, – work here on the radio station, but also coming to being a part of the legislative session. I just want to thank you for that. But we, we have had well, an interesting session. I'll just give you a, a quick overview and then go where you want to talk. But, you know, we, we met for 108 days, which is a bit of a long wow. session for us. Uh, but, you know, with the COVID situation that we had and the way that that slowed down the process some, it took a little bit longer. We passed approximately 1,100 acts into law. And so here's just kind of a, uh, and I think we had a successful session overall. Obviously, there was some contention, but things that people may not think about as you're thinking about what happened, you may only think of the hot button issues, but you know, we raised teacher pay by $2,000 per teacher, Fantastic. which is a really good thing because education is vitally I mean, the, everything in my life I can trace to the educational opportunities I had. And, you know, when Laurie and I moved to Conway, Arkansas, in 1990 to 10 UCA, uh, we were from rural Arkansas, grew up in Randolph County. Everything that we have is a result of the educational opportunities that came to us, and I'll never forget that. So I'm happy to do that. And by the way, Laurie was a teacher. <laughs> so oh, wow. for the teacher pay. Another thing we did is we had a little bit of tax relief. We didn't have as much as I want, and I'm very hopeful in the future we're going to come back to that. So we ended up doing some small tax cut legislation. A lot of us wanted to go further, couldn't get support from the governor to do that right now. There was some pushback even in the Senate tax and revenue to do some more tax cuts. But we were able to make good on a promise that I made back when I started in 2010. And I I worked with Representative John Payton, who's a fantastic conservative state rep. And he's been Amen. trying to slash the, the sales taxes on used cars for many years. That was one of my platform commitments. And so we were able to work together with other legislators and the governor to support another $13 million in tax relief in that area. And so that will take it. Uh, lower that tax rate from the $4,000 to the $10,000 range there. It'll lower that down from six and a half, I think, to three and a half. And so that was a great step. Uh, other things that we did, and this is relates to the tax relief, Robert, is that because of all the implications of COVID and everything, we didn't want to put Arkansas in jeopardy. And so what what happened is when Asa Hutchinson was elected with our Republican majority, we had zero in surplus funds in reserve 
Okay, so that means we did not have a literal reserve, if you will, which is sort of mm-hmm. the Arkansas savings account, like a family has a savings account. We did not have that. Okay, wow. it was it wow. was paycheck to paycheck, meaning budget to budget of what we were doing. So what happened is we went from zero to about $210 million that we've been able to put in that reserve. And through leadership this session, and obviously I serve on tax and revenue, we're able to now probably going to be around $700 million to be in that reserve. Okay? Wow. And so now, so that's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Indeed. It helps with our bond ratings in the future. And so that's some things that, that may not get as much splash, but it's very important fiscally because we use the Revenue Stabilization Act to have a balanced budget. A couple things and, and get to the, to the hot-button things. Another thing I'm very proud of is that I was part of the leadership that led the Back the Blue Caucus in the legislature. And we basically were able to get every single bill passed that we were pushing, uh, including reducing the Arkansas State Police retirement years down from 30 to 28. And I will tell you that that took some work, but we were able to get it done. But I'm going to tell you, law enforcement officers and the stress that they put up with, as you know, most of the states around Arkansas, they allow their reti- their uh, police officers to ret- retire at 25 years. And so mm-hmm. I'm hoping in the future that we can get that down. And the uh, one thing we didn't get done there that I want to get done, and I don't, I don't really want to blame anybody, but we had some people, a little pushback on giving a, a tax credit to law enforcement officers. We're 49th in the nation, Robert, on paying people that put on that badge and that gun every day and put their lives on the line. 49th. And when you've got all this defund the police junk that's going on around the the country, which I absolutely reject, and you think about the stress of that, and then the fact that now you've got some areas of the country prosecuting these people just for doing their job, (laughs) okay, it's it's tough. We need to help the law enforcement officers. If you want good people, you got to pay them, Robert. You don't go work. Mm-hmm. And so, so you got that. And so down to the last thing, we passed Stand Your Ground. Um, big Second Amendment supporter. Proud of Bob Ballinger and, and Aaron Pilkington, Representative Pilkington, for doing that. Uh, that we got the Stand Your Ground law in place. And then you get to some things a little bit more interesting. And uh, we passed 14 pro-life bills in this legislative session, the most we wow. the family council said we've ever done, including SB6, which I was proud to carry in the Senate. Representative Bentley helped me in the House. And this legislature had overwhelming majority in support of ending abortion in Arkansas, except to save the life of a mother. And that is the strongest bill that we've passed. You know and I know they're going to sue us at some point mm-hmm. on SB6. But the only way, the only way to change law or to get a precedent challenge is to pass a law that challenges that. And so mm-hmm. you've got to bring a challenge. And so I'm very proud being the number one pro-life state in the entire country right now. Arkansas was given that designation that we were in great position to lead this. Governor Hutchinson signed that. I thank him. But I'm going to tell you what. You shouldn't take five days to figure out you're going to sign a pro-life law. 
<laughs> so I, th- I think that that's the deal you do in your sleep, you know, as a Republican, as a conservative. So I do thank him for signing it. But he was getting some voices in his ears from the liberal side. But thank God, because he's been pro-life, that he signed that into law. And then we get to maybe the tougher things, right? Uh, you had talked a little earlier in the show, I believe, about uh, some of the transgender issues. Uh, as you know, Governor vetoed the chemical castration bill, okay? So what people mm-hmm. have to understand is that we said in Arkansas that a minor child, can you think about a five-year-old kid, and they get some woke psychologist involved with them, and they talk to mom and dad and say, you know what, little Bobby needs to turn in to little Brenda. And they begin to change that kid's life in a way that will change it forever this is just crazy, okay? It really is. We should be mentoring children to be exactly who God made them to be and helping children in those situations rather than further bringing chaos into their lives, in my opinion. I sit on the floor of the Senate, and I'm going to be quiet. You told me to hit a good overview, so I've given you a lot here. Uh, I sit on the floor of the Senate, and I want the people of Arkansas to know. I quoted Dr. McHugh who had been the chair overseeing the, the psychiatric department at Johns Hopkins University. He said it is scientifically impossible to change the sex of anyone. It's impossible. Okay? God gave you your chromosomes. Now, we know they're aberrations in a very small instance, Robert. You know that. But mm-hmm. he said God, God, you know, he, he was basically summarize what he would say it was that god created you to be who you're going to be sexually he said all they are doing right now with this transgender movement is they're creating feminized males and masculinized females and so i was proud of arkansas to say you know what we're going to care for people and their mental health but we're not going to let people basically uh take our minor children and treat them like a scientific experiment And so I was very proud that Arkansas legislators overrode that veto, and that's law here in Arkansas. And the last thing is that uh, all of these issues kind of come and culminate with what? Religious liberty in many instances. And so we referred an amendment to the people to vote on in November of 22, which is the Arkansas Religious Freedom Amendment. That's SJR 14. Uh, By the way, some, some people ask me if that was my initials. You know, it is my full name initiative, <laughs> Senator Jason Rapert. So in November 22, I hope they vote for SJR 14 for religious freedom and vote for SJR for your next lieutenant governor. And I think that'd be a couple like of great it. votes. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Jason, that's such a wonderful um, overview, and we only have a couple of minutes, so I'll only touch on a few things. But one of the things I do want to touch on is Arkansas is either rare or unique in that when the legislature, the most democratic body in of the three branches of government, of course, I mean that in the small d sense, not in the political party sense, uh, when it passes a bill and it sends it to the governor, the governor has the ability to veto a bill. That's one of a governor's powers. Mm -hmm. But in Arkansas, to override that veto, you need only the same bare majority that you needed the first time around to pass a bill. So it strikes me that any time a governor 
in Arkansas vetoes a bill, that veto should be overturned because those state legislators who voted for the bill the first time around, unless they pressed the wrong button or they had a brain aneurysm uh, during the vote, would vote the same way because they have their convictions. True, from time to time, once in a hundred years, someone can reevaluate and say, oh, I made a mistake. But overall, that shouldn't be the case because you should be making an informed decision from the get-go. So explain to me, if you can, mind you, the sarcasm in my question to begin with, how it is that we have passed bills in the Arkansas legislature vetoed by the governor and then not I repeat, not overridden by the legislature. Can you explain that to me, please? Let's let's uh, let's get that explanation um, when we come back from break. It is seven nineteen, we'll so we got a break. We got to get a break in. We need to get to some traffic and news. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are your resident legal experts. They are filling in for Dave Ellswick this morning, and they are speaking with State Senator Jason Rapert. We will be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave. Co-hosting with me is Chris Corbett from Conway. And on the line, Senator Jason Rapert. We're going to keep him for this one more segment for about five minutes. And I'm going to thank you in advance, Senator, because Heidi is going to cut us off. And so we won't know when it happens until it happens. But you are about to tell us how and why. Uh, when the legislature passes a bill and the governor vetoes it, how it's even possible, given that it only takes the same vote to pass a bill as it does to override a veto, how is it that some of those vetoes were not overridden? Oh, that's a, that's a good point. And, and just a quick recap of how that works. You know, it was back when Governor Mike Huckabee, as one of the first Republican governors that we've had, of course, in many, many years, Governor Huckabee was elected and had a strong Democrat majority in the legislature. And they just couldn't stand it that Huckabee was in office. And so a senator named Mike Beebe that would become governor ended up helping bring a legislative change that reduced the override to a simple majority because he was trying to undercut Governor Mike Huckabee, of course. And so with that, it now put us in a situation where you explained it. It simply takes the same vote to pass a bill as it does to override a veto. And, and you know, what's interesting is that Senator uh, Mike Beebe or Governor Beebe had to eat his own cooking when we overrode the heartbeat bill veto <laughs> back in 2013, which, was, which I was happy to lead that override. And make, you know, the first state in the nation for the heartbeat bill. And by the way, a little side note, Texas just became the 14th state to pass the heartbeat bill now. And Arkansas led the way. So here's the deal. In this session, Senator Sullivan had a fantastic bill out of Craighead County. They said, you know what, Amen. Department of Health, when you went out here and find all of these small business owners, these mom and pop stores, listen to me, Arkansas. They find all these mom and pop stores that they said, you're going to close down or you're going to do this or that. It was so onerous. Well, Home Depot and Walmart have nobody after them, but they went into mom and pop stores, Robert, and find these people. And we voted to say, you know what? Give all that fine money back to these people. It's already hurt enough with this pandemic and the shutdowns. Give that money back Amen. to them. And Governor Hutchinson vetoed that bill. I think it was oh, real poor it. decision on that. And so in the Senate, we overrode that veto, but it went to the House. And after passing overwhelmingly the first time, suddenly it stopped. Now, look, what mm-hmm. happens? It's just suspect, okay? It's suspect. <laughs> 
How many people flipped, roughly? Do you know in the House? Because it's really remarkable that a bill to return a total, not individual, a total of $60,000 across the whole state to a bunch of citizens who work hard for for their money every day uh, was passed by the Senate twice. But when it goes back to the House, somehow the the House flips their position. How many people change their position in the House? Do you know? I don't know for sure. You can, we could pull yeah. that up. You could you actually can pull that up and see the votes on the website. But right. but the people you say how does this happen? Look, it's politics. Mm-hmm. So they begin to get pressure. And you know I don't know what was said behind the scenes or what happened behind the scenes with that that caused people to change. But you know what happened. Don't we're not naive. You know what happened. And so here's the deal. What's sad for me is that there's a lot of issues like this, okay, that happen out there. But this one in particular bothers me. In fact, you know, there's a guy that says he's going to run against me for lieutenant governor. He was a part of the whole decision-making process at the Department of Health that came up with that crazy idea anyway. And so, look, we want people to be nice and to comply and to help when there's pandemics. But how, how awful that you would find mom and pop small businesses that are already suffering and you're going to go in and find them when you're letting these big box retailers just get away with it so i felt that this was something we should have overrode that veto completely uh and and this is a great example as you say of how that process works right Indeed. And remember, one of the complaints about how these fines were implemented in the first instance is good people like you and Dan Sullivan, like you say, state senator up there in Jonesboro, who I work with very closely as well, uh, said, had been saying all along before you guys came back into session, hey, governor, we're here. Just call us back into session because we can't do that yet. Oh, we're going to change the law on that. But we can't call ourselves back into session. So please call us in. Please consult with the legislature, the most democratic branch of government. And he didn't do it. And he brought about these fines. And then when the legislature got into session, he said, well, listen, you didn't ask us. Well, here's our opinion. That's why all that happened, because there was no Democratic involvement. And again, of course, Democratic, I mean, the small D, not the party. And that's what we need. We need the people's representatives having their say. Yeah. It's really Amen to that. It's unconscious. Well, look, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on here. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been serving now in the legislature. I've been elected four times. And I love hearing from people. I'm helping right now people up in northeast Arkansas. They've had uh, a power surge situation that has absolutely knocked out appliances in people's homes. I've been working with Entergy, and I know the local legislators are working with them. But if I can ever help people, Robert, it's real easy to get a hold of me. Go to jasonraper.com. Send me a message. Give me a call, and uh, and we'll try to help you the best we can. I try to go out and work hard for Arkansas every day, and I'm just honored to be given the privilege to serve and, and help people at least while I'm here. All right. Well, Thank Jason. you so much, Senator. Yep. Yes, uh, we are just about to go to break. Uh, we have been talking with State Senator Jason Rapert, along with Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett, who is our guest co-hosts for today. Uh, we got to get to Rush Limbaugh, and then we'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, and I am Robert Steinbuck, filling in for Dave this Friday morning. Of course, with me is Chris Corbett, attorney, engineer, overall expert from Conway, Arkansas. 
We just got off the line with Senator Jason Rapert, also from the Conway area. And we had a very good discussion about what went on in this legislative session. As conservative as we are, and we are somewhat conservative, uh, we need to become more conservative in the legislature. And so one of the things that I want to talk to you about, Chris, is your ongoing interest growing and solidifying in running for the state legislature in uh, the next election. So talk to us about how your thoughts are coalescing on this very important idea to help make Arkansas the conservative state it needs to be. That it's not yet, but it needs to be. Well, what what I've seen in the last legislative session, and by the way, let me comment, Jason Raper's comments were fantastic. Um, having him talk to us about what actually happened in the legislative session, and uh, it's just so wonderful to hear um, that uh, Governor Beebe had to eat his own cooking when he mm-hmm. had to uh, watch his watch his veto be overridden by a process that he used to stick it to the newly elected Republican governor, Governor Huckabee. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I thought that was fantastic. He had to eat his own cooking. So you got to be careful what you're doing up there. And one of the points that was brought out Rob, is that um, we have this simple majority to override a veto, and what happens? We pass a bill, the Republicans pass a bill, the governor gets wishy-washy about it and vetoes it, even though it's the voice of the people, a Republican governor vetoes a Republican bill, and then when they say, okay, well, let's go, let's override it, and then you have those exact Republicans that initially voted for it, then they don't vote to override it's the same vote they just got to do it twice but there's some pressure going on there so what did they do did they sacrifice their values did they did some constituent come up in my mind you're making a vote based on the three c's rob and this is what's caused me to lean and solidify my position to run for office here in conway you've got your conscience you've got your colleagues right and you've got your constituents now all three, I think, all three of those need to be weighed evenly. And sometimes there's more than the other. So what happened? They weighed their conscience. They weighed their, their constituents. Um, somebody got to them and said, don't vote to override it. And um, I think it's indicative of what's going on out there. They're talking out of both sides of their mouths. I'd love to see those votes and see what's going on. Because if you say you're for the Second Amendment, you say you're for protecting the people. You're for private property rights. This, one of, this is one of the one of, I think it's the fifth one on the Republican Party of Arkansas, private property. This is simple. Protect someone's private property. But you're going to let the government come in and fine people in that private property at a business that's open to the public? You're going to fine them for not mandating that your customers wear a mask? How exactly does that work? And how is that not easily come down on your conscience how's that not easily come down on your conscience and then you got to stand up to your to your uh to your colleagues and say hey guys where are you at you're republican here what, what here's the values you stand for here's what you got elected on let's see you vote right so it's going to be interesting david i'm leaning hard to run for state here in conway and um i'm excited about it Well, I can't wait for that to happen, Chris, because we have people in the legislature who some of them 
when important votes come up, guess what? They're nowhere to be found. Oh, they may That's even right. be in the chamber. But is your vote recorded? No. Nope. They, they either no vote or the so-called present vote, which is not a vote. It just means I'm here and I ain't voting. You mean the thing you're yeah. getting paid to do, you're not doing? Uh, so we're going to shine the light on them. That's right. We're going to look through right. the, well, the rules. Then, Go ahead. Yeah, we've got some good people that's going to run. And so what's preventing me right now from making a formal announcement is we don't know where the census is going to land. We don't know. The census mm-hmm. numbers are supposed to be coming in. I've heard they're coming in. They've already got them. There's a computer program out there to redraw these lines. Um, just recently at the, the Faulkner County Republican Party meeting, um, there was a guy there that knew the history, which was fantastic. I can't remember his name right now, but he said that, the software they're using to redraw these lines, the way this software works, you literally grab a line on the map of Arkansas and you move it around. And as you move that around, it dictates the population. So what, what the requirements are is a house this, this I'm talking about the state legislature right now. A house district has to be 30,000 people and a state senate district has to be 86,000 people. So they literally mm-hmm. are moving these lines around without regards to race, religion, age, gerrymandering. They're moving these things around to create these population bases. And it's going to mm-hmm. be crazy uh, how this lands up because we may have two very good Republican senators that have to primary each other. Like the district's mm-hmm. going to be rearranged to where both of them are in the same district. Currently, two Republican senators from two separate districts may end up running against each other. And that's going to be a sad day, honestly. Um, and it's, it's hard. Well, I'm more for, interested. It's hard. Uh, yeah. I, I'm more interested in what happens when you decide to run. That's I'm more right. interested. So yeah. mm-hmm. Go ahead. So what's going to happen is when – so I don't know where, I don't know where my land – where it's going to be. So if I were to come right. out now, I mean, something's going to have to change. Where's my district? What district am I in? Uh, do I run for the House? Do I run for the Senate? I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Senate. Do I run against an incumbent? Or It's not going to be Jason Rapert's seat. So there's a lot of unknowns out there, and it's, it strikes me uh, a hard decision to make right now because as a professional engineer, what do I do? I solve problems. In order to solve problems, I need the givens. Here we have some missing variables. What what are those missing variables? Who's going to be my constituents? I just said that you know, I'm going to make my make decisions based on the three C's, right? Constituents, colleagues, and conscience. Well, I don't. I, I'm missing a variable. So, and so when I'll have that variable, maybe September, November. They don't know when mm-hmm. it's coming out. Like my good friend mm-hmm. and graduate colleague in engineering school, Andy Davis, is um, helping out. Um, the board of apportionment, which has uh, three people on it. I think John Thurston, uh, uh, Leslie Rutledge, and the governor. So they're going to actually mm-hmm. draw the. They're going to approve the drawing of the line. And um, once that comes down, um, there may be lawsuits about it. Who knows what's going to happen when these new lines are drawn? And um, so we get those variables. I get those variables set up, and uh, I'll solve the equation, and I'll bring some solutions to the people of Conway. I love it because we need common sense, straight thinkers like you in the Arkansas legislature. And we need some more lawyers, frankly, 
No, I don't think we should have a legislature full of lawyers, but we have very, very few Republican lawyers in the legislature. I know of two Republican state senators who are lawyers. That's it. So we need some more Republican lawyers getting in there because I think some of these particularly younger, but doesn't age is not the only factor. Members of the state legislature who are not lawyers, sometimes some of them get a little bit hoodwinked by lawyers working for lobbyists, telling them, oh, you got to do this or you can't do that. And you know better. You know what can be done and you know what can't be done. And if you get elected, I'm confident you're going to vote on every vote. And then if there is a rare occasion in which a bill is vetoed, you're going to vote the same way on the override as you did on the bill. You know why? Because you have <laughs> convictions and you stand by your convictions right. and you're not going to let a governor or somebody else strong arm you because you you are a boxer in college. Nobody's strong arming Chris Corbett. He knows what <laughs> his beliefs are and he sticks to them. That's right. That's right. And you're not going to be see me. You wouldn't. I don't want to fight a leatherweight. I don't want. I don't want to fight a, a featherweight, Rob. Yeah, we've got to stick to these these common sense stuff, right? We don't want um, uh, a 250 pound man wrestling a 130 pound woman in 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 wrestling. So, yeah, it's some simple stuff here, and the people get they twist it and. Um, we just need some some real common sense. So uh, it was fantastic to hear from Jason and uh, the tribulations and trials he went through and the good stuff that happened in the legislative session. I was very excited about the tax relief. You know, one of the things I think um, when you're paying this happened. This is what got Governor Clinton uh, defeated in 1980 by Frank White. Frank White beat him on one issue, and that was because the Clintons passed the used sale car tax in 1978. And Frank mm-hmm. White came in and campaigned on it and said, what? we've already paid tax. You heard the millions of dollars that's been raised by it. So you buy a car, you pay taxes on it, 6.5%, right? So uh, for every $1,000 that you uh, pay for a car, 65 bucks of it's going to be taxed. I mean, it's taxes. And then guess what? If you're going to buy a used car, you want a cheaper car, you don't want to spend as much money on it, you're taxed again. So what they've done is they piecemealed it. Uh, you, there is an exemption up to $3,500. You don't have to pay any taxes on any car up to 3500 Now, um, after that, it's 6.5%. So literally, if you bought a car for $3,501, you drew the line right there, you're going to owe 6.5% in taxes. What they did is they lowered it, um, or they raised that price to 4500 and they lowered the the 6.5 to 5.5 in the gap between 4500 or maybe 3500 up to $10,000. They couldn't they couldn't get rid of it. And you heard what he said, they couldn't get rid of it because of a Republican governor. So, I don't know, it's outrageous to me that you can't hammer those simple taxes like that. And you know, that's a tax Chris that of course disproportionately affects those in lower income. This is not, uh, uh, we're not, oh, you know, the Republicans, this is, I'm mocking the the claim, right? But Republicans want to give tax cuts to the rich. This ain't no tax cut to the rich. This is a tax cut to working class folks who need to buy a used car and not an expensive used car. There aren't that many used cars that you can find in that price range, frankly. And they're going to need a lot of work, no less. 
And so here's a guy or a girl struggling to buy a car, and then after they collect their money so they can buy a car, then they got to pay the government on a car that was sold previously for which the government already got taxes on. How many times is the government going to collect taxes on the same item being sold? It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Let's break that down on the Republican platform. All right. Let's talk about the three C's conscience. What does your conscience say? Do you you think the people out here want to pay taxes on a used car? No, they don't. It's simple. Conscience. Your colleagues, they're they're Republican. We have a Republican governor. We have a Republican state Senate. We have a Republican House. What are your colleagues saying? They should lower taxes. And then three, your constituents. What are they doing? Your conscience, your colleagues. How is this not passed? I'm stunned. I tell you, you know why? You want to know what we've talked about before? I'll tell you why it hadn't passed. Because we've got government lobbyists getting paid by government tax money to come down to the legislature to play games with these Republican senators and Republican House members. That's what's going on behind the scenes. Because it doesn't make any sense. Think about these small sums of money that represent freedom in Arkansas. And we have $60,000 of fines that went to small businesses, never fined a big business, total of $60,000. The people already were fined. They sort of got that slap on the wrist. And Dan Sullivan out of Jonesboro says, let's give the money back. Let's have a little grace. Let's have a little uh, understanding. Let's have a, a little fellowship uh, of of mankind. Let's have a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Let's return that money. These people, if if they did something wrong in your eyes, uh, they've suffered enough regardless. Yeah. Let's yeah. Uh, let's just give back the, that little bit of money. And it resulted in a big fight. And, and let's continue this. Yeah, let's continue this conversation into our last segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are your resident legal experts for the Dave Ellswick Show, and they are filling in for Dave today. As Dave is having some minor surgery, he assured me that it was nothing too big. So he has had the day off today, but we are going to continue with Rob and Chris right after this. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, 101. 1.1 FM, The Answer. This is the Dave Ellswick Show, where in our last segment, I'm talking with Chris Corbett. Chris mentioned to me during the break this situation that's up in a college, a law school indeed, in New Jersey, in which a student was commenting on a case. You know, in law school, of course, you read cases and then you discuss the facts of those cases. Those cases usually are presented in a textbook, and they're excerpts. They're parts of the cases. And the excerpt was unclear, and it seems to be, by the way, that the reason the excerpt was unclear is because of political correctness, because the authors of the book didn't want to put in any of the more controversial information because – Chris, I say with full sarcasm, of course, the best way to learn is to put on blinders and earplugs and, and and not know everything that's going on, because just in case you're worried about a delicate daisy or someone who's bringing in their emotional support peacock, uh, you don't want to actually talk about underlying facts in the case and the law. And that, guess what? Criminal law deals with bad things and bad people. 
And sometimes you have to talk about those things in the context of criminal law. And of course, as you know, Chris, I'll mention to you as a related issue that I have volunteered as a senior member of the faculty to teach constitutional law. Now that the one person who teaches both classes, which is highly unusual, uh, is retiring uh, and he's a liberal. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if we actually had for the first time in the history of the law school, a conservative teaching constitutional law. And let me tell you, they haven't given me an answer, but boy, do I feel a lot of static in the air and a lot resistance to that notion. Why? Because academics across this country are overwhelmingly leftist and leftists don't like conservatives teaching laws that classes that deal with hot topic issues. Yeah, I can teach business law because there's not much of a hot topic there. I can teach evidence law because there's maybe slightly more, but generally not much of a hot topic there. But constitutional law has all the hot topics. Now, I wouldn't teach from a conservative perspective or a liberal perspective, but I make sure that the students know it all, know it all. And I am confident that across this country, the leftist academics don't teach the students both the left and the right perspective on the law. No, I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think there is a fair amount of leftist indoctrination going on across this country in law schools and in higher education in general. You have a bunch of degrees, Chris. What's your feeling on this? Man, I think you would be a fantastic con law professor, Rob, and you would be, you do it balanced. And um, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. When I was there, I was taught con law by a very left-leaning Democrat, and I tailored my answers to what he would like to hear to get a good grade. Um, is that bad? Yeah, I thought it was kind of bad. Um, but um, I knew if I took a hard conservative right stance in a con law essay exam in his class, uh, it would not be graded well. So um, I leaned my arguments towards the left uh, for uh, for uh, to pass the class, and that, that that's not right. That shouldn't be the way it is. Um, but that's that's what happens, and and when you've got someone um, teaching you the law, and uh, you you're trying to learn the law, your brain you're trying to understand it, and if you're being indoctrinated by a lot of liberal. Uh, professors, um, it's gonna it's gonna affect you, and um, we we know we well know that there's been a there's been a a bastion of uh, liberal professors in, across the the nation in the universities that are teaching our young kids some of these wacko ideas, these left leaning wacky Marxist ideas in school. Um, it's um, it's a sad thing, and it needs to be more balanced if we're gonna have the country. Uh, continue to be what we have here, freedoms. All right, y'all. That wraps up our show for today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Chris, for filling in for Dave. I know Dave really appreciates it today. We'll be back on Monday. Monday will be a best of show as Dave, he still needs some time to recover, but he should be back on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, Elizabeth Sotolaro will be with Dave as well as the Bible Guys. If you have a Bible Guys question, you can send that into our email, which is Guys at SalemLR.com. Y'all have a great weekend. We will see you back on Monday on The Dave Ellswick Show.